0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Emotional Management. It's your weekly checkup from the neck up. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. The number is 866-391-1020. If you want to be a part of the show, man, I would love to hear from you. Emotional management. What's that mean? Well, we're going to manage emotions. We're going to talk about the things that might get your emotions thrown off kilter. So how do we get things back? How do we find balance? Look, sometimes the ups that we experience are really exciting. I'm in one of those ups right now. Let me tell you why. I've worked my whole career uh, developing what I call yield theory, and tomorrow the book is released officially. It's called Walking Through Anger. This is a legacy book for me. It's a book that takes the work I've done for 20, 21 years, uh, working with individuals from all over the country in different areas and, and spaces in their lives. I've had a, a chance over these last 20 years to work with uh people who are at the top of their game, some of the best athletes in the world. I work in with professional teams. Uh, I I've, I've worked with people who are struggling in some of the worst places of their lives in maximum security prisons and solitary confinement. I've worked with people who are struggling with everyday issues. Maybe you're struggling with family issues or 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 with your spouse and maybe your relationship's not in the space it used to be and I I've spent 20 plus years working with people in this area around families, individuals, couples, sports, um prisons I've just I'm super passionate about what I've done. Here's what I've noticed through the years. Whether it's been on television working with celebrities, whether it's been in the comfort of my private practice, I've figured out that the world boils down to two kinds of people. And if you haven't heard this show before, you're going to want to write this down. There are people who have issues and dead people. So if you're currently alive. you got issues. So do I. We all do. It's okay to have issues. The question is, what do we do with them? What do we learn from it? So I wanted to do this show because I want to be able to help you. If there's anything you're struggling with, well, this is what I love. I love being able to talk to you, find out what barriers exist to your peace. Let's say that you had to go to the grocery store, but there were a bunch of obstacles in the way. You would probably want to know what those obstacles were and how you could get around them so you could get to the grocery store. And as much as we want food, as much as I love food and certainly would want to be going after it, there's something we want even more than food, and that is peace. You want peace. Your loved ones want peace. Even people you don't like want peace. Ultimately, we all want peace. We go about searching for peace in vastly different ways. Sometimes we go about searching for peace by tearing other people down, by starting problems, by thinking that if we get really angry and re rally other people to be really angry, well, then maybe we'll find peace that way. And we get lost at times we get lost, but I promise you that we all want peace. And I've noticed this. I've noticed this sitting in sessions with people, person after person, one-on-one. I mean, we, we become one way in groups. And so I do a lot of stuff in groups, whether I'm working in prisons, running groups, whether I'm working with professional athletes, the team as a whole, uh, college athletes in groups, uh, or maybe I'm doing my anger management groups. But when people are in groups, they act one way. And that's natural. It's human beings. When we're influenced by others, when we're trying to impress others, when we feel like we have to be in a certain role, we act a certain way. But one-on-one. When you're sitting down with someone looking them in the eyes, what I have noticed through the years was people hurt each other out of pain they people are in pain, and whenever we take down those masks, we're all just human, and we're all struggling in some way. And, and if you're not struggling, maybe you have some insight for others and you want to share that. Well, this is a wonderful outlet. 866-391-1020. Maybe you've made it through something recently and want to share that with, with others. I want you to be able to do that on the show. Um, so feel free to call in. 866-391-1020. And if you're a frequent listener to this show, first of all, thank you. Second, you know I do not promote my stuff very often, but I am so excited to tell you about Walking Through Anger coming out tomorrow. Uh, we were in Barnes & Noble the other day, uh, and they're like, oh, we're, we're getting ready to put it out. We're super excited. And so that's such a great feeling. It's kind of surreal to see something you've worked for. This is my seventh book, so it's not like this is the first book I'm ever publishing. But it is a book that I have really put my heart and soul into, and it's taken me a long time to get it to where it is. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a story um, that I tell in the book. But at one point, I was when you write. So this is great advice for young people. There's no. I, I got this advice from a professor. His name was Dr. Rick Meyer. Um, I got my PhD at Duquesne University um, in early 2000s. And Dr. Rick Meyer, he used to say, there's no such thing as good writing. There's only good rewriting. And this is great advice because when you're writing a, an assignment and you turn it in, if you're in school, you really believe that the teacher is going to say, this is perfect. Just keep it the way it is. And the first time you turn it in, you get feedback. Oh, I can't believe this. That's not fair. You know, oh, you should have liked it more, whatever. And so this is great advice. There is no good writing, only good rewriting. And so again and again, I rewrite, rewrite my, I have the, uh, I'm blessed because my father's an author, um, which by the way, he has, a, uh, 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 a blog this wonderful called this is not your practice life so you just type that into your in your url this is not your practice life.com and you can see it he's a phenomenal writer so he's taught me from an early age you just keep writing you don't dwell on it like you don't take feedback personally you just keep writing if something doesn't work you throw it out the biggest challenge for writing is that you want to make sure that you say what you mean and oftentimes when you actually go to put it on paper you realize Oh, I had that explained really well in my head, but it takes work to be able to articulate it in a really concise way. So I had been writing and writing and rewriting and all this stuff. So about uh, at, at one point I got stuck in my writing and with this book, and when I did, here's what I did. I, I, I heard this Zen story, and this is a powerful one, but a guy, uh, a wealthy man, goes to a Zen artist and he says, here's my favorite cat. Can you paint a picture of this cat? Can you draw a picture of this cat? And the uh, Zen master says, "Yes, come on back in uh, a year." So the guy waits a whole year. He comes back and he's like, "Okay, where's my, uh, where's my picture?" And the guy says, "You know what? I'm gonna need six more months." Oh, I already waited a year. You've got to be kidding me! So he comes back in six months. Teacher says, "Man, I got, I need a couple more months. Come back in three months." The guy is furious. Are you kidding me? I paid you all this money. I want this picture of my cat. So he comes back in three months, and when he does, the Zen master welcomes him to his house. He says, okay, this is great. Come on in. So he comes in, he sits down at the table, Zen master artist puts out a blank sheet of paper and really quickly draws an absolutely perfect picture of this guy's cat. The guy's so excited. He's like, this is beautiful. It looks just like my cat. And then his happiness turns to anger really quickly. He's like, what the heck? You just made me wait all this time, almost two years. You did this in two seconds. Why'd you make me wait so long? And as he was talking to Zen, Master walked over to his cupboard, and when he did, he opened it up and out fell thousands of pictures of cats. What takes moments to do in mastery has taken many more to do in practice. So I kind of rewrote my whole book from start to finish. I said, you know what? I'm going to throw out everything I'm doing, start from start to finish. And the final, final version, I probably did the whole thing in about six weeks. Now, that's obviously took me a couple of years to get it all together. But that, that final version, once I rewrote everything, and I'm so excited because my whole career has led to this moment, Walking Through Anger, a new design for confronting conflict in an emotionally charged world available anywhere you get your books. I would love for you to get it. We got a whole bunch for you tonight. Anytime you want, give us a call. 866 391 1020. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio. Tonight, this is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is a show where it is an opportunity for you to tell me what's going on and let me give you insight. From an outside perspective, look, no matter how intelligent you are, no matter how well-versed in your own psyche you are, no matter how adaptable you are and flexible and able to roll with whatever comes in, at the end of the day, it's obviously easier for someone on the outside to give you feedback, just like it'll be easier for you to give me feedback from the outside. I have this saying that I teach people, I think it's really powerful, and that is, People see your actions, not your intentions. So it really doesn't matter what you mean to do in life. It only really matters what you do. Now, this is fascinating because we have a tendency to judge people by their actions, whereas we judge ourselves by our intentions. So we're, we're quick to say, well, we didn't mean to do that or downplay or minimize what we're doing, and we're pretty fast to judge others when they mess up. If we're driving down the road and someone, if we cut someone off in traffic and they get mad, we say, chill out. What's the big deal? I just made a little mistake. But heaven forbid that person cut you off driving. Now, all of a sudden it's really angry. Why'd they do this to me? And so how do we find this balance? How do we find this balance and understanding how to deal with what's in front of us? Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you have some issues around your family. Maybe you have Uh, family members who are making choices you would rather they didn't make. Maybe you're a grandparent or a parent and your grandchildren or your children are making choices that you're, you're worried about them. See, what happens is oftentimes when we're worried about loved ones, especially with our children, that worry, if you're not, if you don't pay attention to it, that worry can turn to nagging. And then even though you mean well, again, people see your actions, not your intentions. Even though you mean well, if you start to nag your children, you could definitely push them away or you could shut them down or otherwise not to set them up to learn the lesson. And that's, that's really important. It's about learning a lesson. So I want to read an email I got here uh, yesterday. If this is from Kathy, Kathy says, Dr. Conti, I met you when you, uh, presented at Lake Charles and I heard you mention some ideas about what we might do in schools for kids who get suspended. I would love to hear your thoughts on what schools can do around this, especially for those quote, repeat offenders. Thank you, Kathy. Kathy, thank you so much um, for your question. And I remember having that conversation, uh, with a couple of you down there around that, because look, um, at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves time and again, what are we teaching our young people? Because that's what, that's what it is. We're teaching them. So, you know, I tell this story about imagine if, if, um, two aliens came down from space and they crash landed and two very different houses. And now these aliens, they don't know human language or anything. They don't know anything uh, of our way of life. So the two houses that they they crash into, they're totally different houses. They're in different areas and they live differently. And so in the one house, the alien is told, you're a burden. Like, I can't believe you did this. You crashed my house. Like, you messed up my roof. And blame, blame, blame. And then the people would speak in extremes. They would say things like, oh, this is so terrible. I mean, why has this happened to me? This isn't fair. And everything is awful and terrible. Now, the other alien crashed in a house where they were very, um not necessarily positive, but they were very realistic. So they were like, well, you know what? Hey, when the house... Had damage Like, that's unfortunate, but it's not the end of the world. This is amazing. We're meeting a being from another world. And so they were very embraced, either a a rational, realistic, or a positive view. Now, these two aliens, they spent some time on Earth. What do you think the one who grew, who learned all this uh, negativity, what do you think that alien learned about human beings? Hey, they're very negative. They complain. They talk a lot about what they don't have. And then the other alien would be like, Hey, listen, this is, they're amazing. They, they're very appreciative and gracious and humble. So I tell that story. And I remember one time I was telling that story and an audience member, uh, hollered out, that's like parenting. And of course it's like parenting. That's what the story was about. So I felt very validated that he got that message but that's exactly what parenting is that's exactly what our job is as teachers as school counselors as mental health professionals as people who are working with young people our job is to teach them is to bring awareness to the to things in their lives is to help them get through and to navigate through life it's to help them become independent and we forget that sometimes and and one of the ways that we forget that is in schools when kids get in trouble, so picture this: two kids get in a fight, and they get sent home for a couple of days. What have we taught the kids if something's going on and school's not going well and you need a break from school, get in a fight you 'll get out of school for a couple of days and then maybe the opposite is true. maybe we say let's not send them home let's keep them in school let's give them in school suspension okay let's i'm following you on that thought process because now, instead of sending them home we're saying no you got to stay at school which is what you didn't want to be at anyway. But now what do we do with that in-school suspension? I was at a school recently where there was a sign that said students in in in-school suspension, ISS will face the wall. They will not speak. So essentially here's what happens. A, A young person makes a mistake, messes up, does something wrong and their punishment, their lesson, what we're teaching them is sit and face a wall Stuff down anything you have to say now because you're going to be in quiet and you're going to stare at a wall. So what is that wall teaching them? What are they getting in that reflection? Well, sometimes I've talked to people and I remember one time a woman said to me, well, during that time, they should be reflecting on their lives and what they could do differently. And I said, so you're asking someone who did this, whatever the impulsive thing was to suddenly and magically the next day be able to sit in deep reflective contemplation for the entire school day. And you really think that's a reasonable request. Remember the woman saying, no, that's not a reasonable request. And obviously not, but that's the mindset is if you're going to sit and stare at a wall, what are you learning? So here's what I try to help people bring to your foreground. What are we learning? What are we teaching? Remember that we're always teaching. We're teaching others how to treat us. We're teaching others about the world. When we're working with young people, we're teaching them about life. And if we have them face a wall and sit in silence, what are we teaching them? Now, we live in a world where it's really fast-paced to jump from one extreme to the other, and in if you're not careful, you can get trapped up in childlike thinking. And childlike thinking is very black and white. Childlike thinking is very much either or. So for instance, someone might say, well, if you're not going to have them face the wall, then you're just going to give in and let them have everything. Well, that would be very kind of a childish mentality. We're not saying, uh, I certainly would never say don't give a consequence, don't give discipline. But what I would say is, is the discipline you're giving teaching the child something new? Is it teaching them a new lesson, a new way to be? Because if we're doing the same thing over and over again, and we're nearly getting the same, and we're really getting the same results, well... I believe that's the colloquial definition for insanity. So to step back and ask ourselves, what are we teaching? So yeah, Kathy, that's what I was talking about with, if we could revamp that, rethink that, and I'm actually uh, partnering with some people, we're working on what we can teach young people who get in trouble because there are things to learn, especially for someone who's struggling. Now look, the other reality is this, I've said this a long time my job is to explain behavior it is not to excuse behavior i specialize in working with people convicted of violent crimes i am one-on-one in groups with people who've done some of the most horrific things in the world and the reality is that i do what i do because the majority of people who are incarcerated are going to get out of prison one day and when they get out well my question to the world it's the same question I'm posing about young people who get in trouble, and that is, what are we teaching people so that they can learn something differently? See, if we're, if we're, if we're not teaching anybody something new, then how can we expect them to learn something new? This doesn't mean that we should avoid um, uh, consequences by any stretch of the means. By all means, uh, I'll talk tonight about my four C's. Of parenting, and I'm all about consequences. But the main message is what are we teaching? So here's what I would ask you. If you have teenagers, if you have children, and um, you're, they do something that's, you know, they do something wrong and you want to teach them a lesson, ask yourself if the way you're teaching them is really helping them understand that message. And if it's not working, then ask yourself what you might be able to do to make it work. And if you're struggling with that, give me a call. 866-391-1020 is the number. That's 866-391-1020. I'd love to hear from you. So excited because tomorrow is Walking Through Anger Tuesday. I'm so excited. Stay tuned. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio. Welcome back this is emotional management I'm Dr Christian Conti the number is 866 391 1020 if you want to be a part of the show and let's go to the phone lines uh Ben Ben is that, do I have you on Yes sir Ben how are you Arizona you're calling from Arizona Yes sir I'm guessing it's uh, warmer doing out doing there I'm doing well I'm guessing <laughs> it's warmer out there than where we are Dang straight <laughs> So what's going on
1: well, I I ran into your YouTube about three weeks ago. Um, I split with my fiance of three and a half years, and um, found out it was due to my my anger controlling um, habits. I I kind of had a question on because I, I watched plenty of your videos over and over again. Appreciate
0: that. I appreciate, that. I appreciate a, that. A
1: giant help. Um, and buying your book off of Amazon is, is my next step. But I appreciate that, but, brother. When your family, you have genetics, you know, and and I've seen all the men in my family act like this, uh, and I'm starting to realize it now. Uh, it took me to 22, but now now starting to realize it. How do you confront those, uh, those anger issues, those uh, things that you feel like are almost like ingrained in you?
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think uh, I'm sorry to hear about that split with your fiance, because that's got to be painful for you. Um, and I definitely, my heart goes out to you for that, but I, I do know, I want to say this at 22 for you to have this kind of realization, I'm guessing other men in your family and in, in your family's history, weren't thinking about this stuff at age 22, these deeper thoughts of like, why am I, why am I acting in this way? What is this? Something genetic? Is it something that I've learned? So that's got to, that's pretty incredible. I want to applaud you for that being a young man in that, because at 22, you're still filled with enough testosterone to be angry and not know why you're angry at times. Um, what do you do that's similar to what you've learned from your, your, the history of men in your family?
1: Um, so as much as I, I thought in the last probably two and a half years, I wanted my fiance to get a job and I almost harassed her about it. Um, you know, cause I, I was the financial stability for a long time. Um, I It was almost like I would cut back and find reasons for not to have a job because I didn't want her out and about. I didn't want... And as much as I didn't realize that in the relationship, it over the last three weeks, hearing you talk with your wife about relationship, just everything. I mean, I listen to your podcast at work whenever I have time to myself. Um, it's a lot of understanding in what I was doing that I didn't realize in the relationship. Um But... Yeah, I was I was controlling um, and mentally and emotionally abusive. I, I cut deep whenever I argue. There's no middle ground. Right, I, right. I go for the harshest and worst things to say to someone.
0: Right, right. Because you're hurting, you're hurting deeply. And when you hurt, so it sounds like you love deeply and you hurt deeply. And when you hurt deeply, you hurt deeply you're about to lash out strongly. Yeah. And and so the passion part is excellent. You'll learn to channel that. I know you'll learn to channel that. Um, I think the other thing, too, and the reason why I'm slowing you down to really compliment you on this is I don't think a lot of people will actually own up to the stuff that you're owning up to, but that puts you light years ahead of where so many people are. Because what happens is when you start to handle the finances in a relationship, there can be a very natural sense of, look, I'm trying to do what's best for the, for the family. And so it becomes a natural progression to eventually become controlling around it, saying things like, you know, what, what are you spending money on and, and watching that in other people. So a lot of couples go through that type of stuff that the person who's making the money or handling the money is the one who becomes controlling. And sometimes it takes, you know sometimes couples can get in before they break up but a lot of times it takes going through that and breaking up to realize i don't want to repeat this pattern in the future um and so going into that with that kind of awareness is huge you're not what happens is if you think of a relationship like a parenting relationship my wife and i have been married for 19 years uh, been together 21. We're happier now than ever because one of the key factors is we talk about it in different videos about growing together. But one of the key factors is we don't try to control each other. We appreciate each other for where we are, um, and I think that's a a a gift we would love to give to young people your age to say appreciate that you're the whoever it is, whether you're back with this woman or whether you have a new fiance, appreciate where that person is, like really step back and appreciate it and see the bigger picture because the more you can do that. And the reason why I'm specifically giving you this advice is you're able to see the bigger picture because at 22 to be thinking these things, you're seeing the bigger picture. We just have to put it in practice so that in the heat of the moment, you can still see the bigger picture. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So that we master what we practice. And if you practice when you're furious or when you're hurt, you take, you rip somebody, you go to them. What you want to do is the next time someone even bothers you a little bit, you want to consciously come back with something that's not hurtful and you know, maybe express that you're hurt. Maybe you express you don't like how that went down, but you can express that you've been hurt. And this is kind of the next evolution in, I believe in maturity for men is to be able to say, I was hurt without coming strong to the other person. So, for instance, when I was young, if we were upset with somebody, we might get in a fight and punch somebody, and then it's then we in a, with another guy, you might get in a fight, punch him, and the next thing you know, it's over and that's done with. But what if we learned when I'm upset or I'm hurt, I can just say, you know what, I'm hurt. That sucked. I'm hurt. I'm hurting, but I don't need to come after you strongly. Okay. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And it'll take you practicing that. The more you practice it, the better you'll get at it. Absolutely. So, I I, so I
1: really appreciate that.
0: One hundred percent. And I listen. I'm I'm pumped. I appreciate that you you listen to podcasts and the show and all that stuff. This this book, Walking Through Anger, I think is a, a, a is a practical book. So it'll be able to look at it and turn and say there are things that you want to learn that you're ready to learn that will put you light years ahead in your next relationship or if things come back around. But here's the biggest piece of advice. Are you ready for this? If you start learning more about yourself, you don't want to like get your fiance and or or if, and try to get back together and say, now you, you have to accept these changes I've made because the truth is she might never accept those changes and you will still be okay if she doesn't because you need to accept those changes
1: right no and and luckily um not only not only your stuff but I, I have family, I guess that you know I've been through a lot I have close uh name, there are guys that work with me that have have had years of relationships and and I think I've come to the realization it still hurts you know i I was with her since I was nineteen mm-hmm. um and we kind of went through uh you know drugs and b s and and then finally got our lives together and, you know, both now working jobs and have our own condo. But it, it's, um, my biggest thing I think is I had to drop all expectations of getting back with her. Um, I have to let her be good for herself now so that if she does, you know, she's not going to see the change, you know, in two to three weeks or a month, it's going to take a year or more. and, if it happens, it happens. But yeah, I appreciate you saying
0: that. No, that's actually, that mindset is fantastic. Cause if you think a year or more, now your mindset is set with realistic expectations for behavioral changes. So when I ran my groups out West, I would notice that guys who had had to come for 52 weeks, they could make sustainable changes. Guys that were sentenced to 26 weeks would, they'd start to make changes, but that's a, that's a short period of time to make sustainable behavioral changes. So with your mindset set at a year, it gives you no pressure and it gets you the chance to just keep learning about yourself. So, hey, listen, I appreciate it. I appreciate your call and, uh, and, uh, Absolutely. following the work and I definitely wish you the best and never hesitate to reach out. Okay. We're connected now. So if I, if I can do anything to help you, please reach out.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much.
0: Definitely. Take care, my man.
1: Yes, sir. Have a good night.
0: Okay, and let's go to the phone lines. We have George uh, from Claritin on the line. George, welcome to the show.
2: How you doing, Doc? Uh, I got out of work real early, and every time I could do it on a Monday, I try to tune in, and I try to call in. So, Oh, I appreciate
0: I you. I appreciate you. How are you doing? Good,
2: good. You know, you said something a little while back. and That last call was very heavy duty. It was like multifaceted the way the, way the gentleman was honest with his issues. And And the little kind of patterns that you gave him to try, try to kind of follow and don't hurry yourself well you know? it's
0: it's pretty cool to see somebody twenty two have that kind of insight and sure. um and to be able to recognize like he wasn't justifying he didn't minimize he simply recognized it, and that's awesome so i kind of yeah. I really applaud that young man i think he has a he has a bright future ahead of him in terms of a relationship because he can learn the stuff he's not saying I need to do it now, and that's really right. the big key.
2: He was a good communicator about introspective. You know, he was very introspective, looking over things in his early life. And so when you're 22, there's no early about it. You know, that's all you've had so far. That's, <laughs> that's right. right. I, I, I'm almost three times that now. <laughs> but uh, you said something a little while back about how we're always in, like, a learning and assimilating uh information back and forth, and that kind of influences how we act, how we treat each other. And uh, something there, and I did teach, but not just teaching high school kids, in the classroom when they're not always elated on being there. But even with a, a, a grandson or two, which I have, I have four grandchildren now, and uh, most of them are around like the four to five year old mark, three. But my older daughter, granddaughter is 11. And it's interesting talking to them, and a grandparent, I think, always has a little bit of an in, mm-hmm. because you're not that rushed like you are when you were a parent. Right, right, right. Myself, you know, right. I was going to school as an traditional, and I did that in the daytime, worked at nights, and just, it was a whole big myriad of things going on. So it was always that time urgency for my own dogs. But for the grandkids, things have slow down to an extent. Well, I'm not with them all the time, but I can show them some things, talk to them, and, and it's probably short bursts of information, in all honesty. Right. I'm not around them 24 hours. But I think when we're around each other, once again, you've got that positive excitation, and uh, that always, I think, is conducive for learning and retaining things, whether it's taking my grandson. He loves to fish. I mean, I just got him into that this spring, and his first time was he was just so angry at, at everything, really. He had some anger issues, but it calmed him down, and he actually got a fishhook stuck out at the bar, but pretty much it could have been in his lip. Uh, it was about his 15th cast because he was doing it so hard and so fast. Like, Holy cow. Trust me. Yeah, but trust me, but slow down. Let me see if I could get it out. And I was thinking, oh, boy, here we go. We're going to go to the hospital
1: here.
2: <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, I mean, just getting those factors there, plus, you know, like the old empirical senses, which have gone out the window in modern day education, it's well, all this
0: testing. But something, right. let me let me say this: as we're winding down toward a commercial, but I want to say this. You you're you can hear that you do teach because you hear the compassion for your grandchild grandchildren in your voice. So the fact wow. that you're being thoughtful about it, George, like this is what this is what really matters. Because let's say you taking him out and having that fishing trip, you taught him probably the greatest gift you can have, which is patience, which is a beautiful thing to learn on a fishing trip. You can't go. You can't stay fishing too long while you're impatient.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Especially. Hey,
0: hey, listen, I appreciate your call and your support and tuning in, my man. Thank you so much, and thanks for being patient while we were getting on. But uh, thank you so much, and I hope you have a great night. You too. Take care. See you again. All right, brother. Um, wonderful. Really appreciate that. That's really excellent. Uh, so cool. Um. Give us a call, 866-391-1020 is the number. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Hey, Walking Through Angers coming out tomorrow in your bookstores. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. I know some of you are probably you're a little chilly tonight, waiting outside the bookstore for that book to come out tomorrow. So I just want to say thank you to all those who are out there in the cold waiting for the bookstores to open. You know, you can always order it, too, from the warmth of your house. Uh, if you want to go online, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Sounds True website. I'm so grateful to Sounds True, my publisher... Um, they're just a phenomenal group of people and they're doing such a, a wonderful job i've been blessed to be able to go out and do a lot of interviews and it, doing interviews uh is a, what a learning what a wonderful learning experience because i get to talk to people who are hosting shows all over the country um and it's so humbling to be able to do that and see other people's styles and see how they interact it's it's pretty wonderful so Very grateful. My new book, Walking Through Anger, is coming out tomorrow. Uh, I've spent a lot of time uh, dedicated to to really making information easily digestible. This is the type of book you could pick up, especially if you're getting on a plane and you think, man, I'd just like to read something uh, while I'm on this flight. Uh, You know, there are a lot of Zen tales, teaching stories in this book, so you can kind of flip open to a story like that and really sit with it. So I've always loved teaching in stories. Storytelling is a powerful way to convey messages. And the reason is stories are layered with so many different depths to them. In other words, you can get a story and you can get the obvious lesson, but then maybe in a different space of your life, you get a little bit deeper of a lesson. Let me give you an example. Um, I Um There was a professor who went to see... Uh, Zen master, and when he went to see him, he said, he was asking him a bunch of questions. He was spitting out theories and things like that. And so the Zen master started to pour tea, and the tea, and as he's pouring this tea, the professor just keeps throwing out more questions, more philosophies, things like that. So finally, the cup starts to overflow. The tea's overflowing, and the professor says, Stop, stop, stop. And the Zen master says, Your mind is a lot like this cup. As long as it's filled up, you're not going to be able to take in anything new. So you're asking these questions, but you're really not open to them. And the lesson is to empty your cup. Now, I've heard that story. I've told that story many, many times before. Uh, But a few years ago, I was looking for a story to tell, and I was going through in my library. I was going through some books, and I came across that story. And when I read it, I almost skipped over it. I almost said, you know what? I know this story. I've told it hundreds of times. I've written about it. I know this story. And in that moment, it hit me like a light bulb my cup was full. My cup was full and I had to empty my cup and rehear that story for the first time. One of the beautiful lessons that we get from stories is an ability to go deeper with them for wherever we are in our own lives. And the more we read them, the more we get out of them. So I included tons of stories from uh, Zen traditions, from Aesop traditions from my own uh, stories, I tell my own uh, myths, but then also from clinical examples from real life cases. So from everything from celebrities to working with um, people on death row, this book is filled with a lot of hands-on practical information. So super excited, grateful to share it with the world, and I'm, I'm pumped about it. Walking Through Anger coming out tomorrow. The number is eight six six three nine one ten twenty. if you want to be a part of the show. Maybe you're... Uh, raising children, and you're wondering if what you're doing needs updated. My wife says this. This is wonderful. When you think about a phone, your phone needs to update every once in a while. And if you don't do the update, your phone's going to slow down and eventually not work. So maybe you're out there and right now and you're wondering why your phone's not working. Maybe you haven't updated it. So you need to update. The updates fix the bugs. They, they Whatever the little fixes need to be made, the updates make those adjustments and do as it says, update, they update your phone. So my wife said something wonderful one day about parenting. She said, you know, and when it comes to parenting, you have to constantly update. You have to update, think about wherever your children are, figure out what they need and update it. You can't respond to your children when they're teenagers the same uh, way you did when they were two and three years old. Uh, They're in a different space in their lives. And the way they communicate, what they're interested in and everything, we need to update if we want to keep up in that relationship. So it doesn't mean that you won't always have love. You always have love for loved ones. That's beautiful. But what it means is if you want to connect with people around you, it's worth stepping back and asking yourself, do you need to update your relationship? Do you need to update the way you communicate? Because maybe the way you communicated in the past just isn't working right now in the present. Sometimes you really want your family members to be making different choices and they're not. And so you get frustrated. You think, why, why are they not? I'm telling them, I'm telling them over and over again, but again, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Remember that's the colloquial definition of insanity. So we want to be mindful to take time to update. If you're not content in the relationships. If you're if you're frustrated with the communication, maybe it's time to update. And if you want insight on how to update, give me a call. 866-391-1020 is the number. So you're going to face conflict in life. We all face conflict in life. The question is, how will you handle it? How will you get through and deal with that conflict? Well, the more You can have an approach, you can have a method for dealing with conflict, and it doesn't matter what kind of stuff comes up, you're going to be ready to handle it. And this is important. When you start to think of things ahead of time and you plan for what might come up, you can prepare ahead of time. And that's one of the things we can do right here on this show. It's one of the things I've always loved about doing counseling, because when you're doing counseling or therapy, you're able to talk to people about what potential obstacles might arise that week. And then try to figure out how you can get around it. And that's this is the key because, as I said, mentioned to Ben earlier on, uh, and a wonderful call, a young man, 22 years old, very thoughtful. As I mentioned to him, you master what you practice. And oftentimes when we're young, we just expect that someday we're going to wake up and everything's going to kind of fall into place. That's not reality. That's not what happens. We need to prepare. For those obstacles that can come up. Now, whatever that is, whether it's anxiety, whether it's um, struggling with depression, maybe it's struggling with some conflict that might occur at work and you want to prepare for it ahead of time. Well, that's what this is. The show offers you that opportunity. So eight six six three nine one ten twenty is the number. And I. As tomorrow approaches, as I'm getting ready to be excited about this whole uh, concept of this new book coming out, here's what I'm excited about. I think that for a lot of people, when you encounter conflict, they shut down. What do I do with it? How do I handle this? And what I'm outlining for you is a way to handle that conflict so that you can face it head on. So I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the gargoyles outside of Christian churches were designed with the idea in mind that if the, what's on the inside is very powerful divinity, then you've got to walk through something. You've got to face some sort of gargoyle and walk through it to make the effort to get what you want. And that's a very powerful image of seeing that. Next time you walk through church uh, church doors and you think about that image, you think, okay, listen, I'm willing to face something to go through to get the peace that I want on the inside. What a powerful metaphor. Hey, we got a whole bunch more coming. 866 391 1020 is the number. I'm Dr. Thank you so much for joining the show. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management. The number's 866 391 1020. Let's go to the phone lines. And Susie, thank you so much for mm-hmm. being patient from oh, Cleveland.
3: Fine, well, I actually. You know, I, it's a two-fold question. Um, at 65, you know, I'm finding things, you know, harder to do than, you know, quite naturally than it would be when I'm younger. So there was a, a study done about Alzheimer's, um, I believe, at the beginning of the year, and they followed it up and said that they have made the connection that it has to do with, your, uh, with blood pressure. Now, anybody can have blood pressure, young or old, but the key to staving off Alzheimer's is to take it. So the latest report that I heard about it is that if you take it at night, it's better than taking it in the morning. What is your opinion about
0: that? Oh, I am not a medical doctor, so I cannot. I I really,
3: Uh, I would have. you know, it's something that I'm I'm looking into. I look into because at my age, you know, I have five grown children and two grandsons. The one thing I've told them I would always say is if they're able to come somewhere and say, hi, Mom, and I'll have to get picture recognition.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what, honestly, Susie, I would, here's what I would say around uh, Alzheimer's, at least the, the, the part that's in my department would be, Make sure you're keeping your brain active. In other words, right, from...
3: Right, right. I have been doing things that, you know, for the memory, because I always tell my babies, look, you know, when they were younger, I could go shopping. I could get everything on that list without making a list. Now it's like part of your brain actually does, you know, shut down, you know, to a certain
0: extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're keeping right. up with I, it by I, being active.
3: Excellent. Being active and, and, and doing things is the best thing that you can do for your mind. It It, it does help.
0: Beautiful. Um, I love
3: but, that. Yeah, another thing that I'm having a lot, a lot of trouble with, and, you know, their, their vapes are out here. I'm, I don't do that, smoking. I'm going to, it's like my, it's one of the hardest things that there is to quit nicotine. It's a very mm. harmful drug. People look at me and say, them, how do you know that? I said? Because, oh, for no one, I've smoked for that many years. <laughs> Wish I would never put, pick them up, but, hey. Right, right,
2: right, right. I never yeah, had
3: yeah. any tattoos, and it's mind over matter. So but as my children were coming along, I never smoked on them. I was nauseous, you know, carrying them and everything. Right. But for me... The, the, the one, the one of the things that I, I'm so proud of, that each time I reach the phase in my life when I would quit for years and years, I'll tell them, look, look what it's doing to me. <laughs> 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 you say, well mommy, why can't you quit? I think it's a 2 Mommy, you keep it so real, I think I can't do it no other way. So, if I can depart that on anybody, and that's these papers out here, the, the dangerousness of it is they did a report on how glamorous that it looks. And young people say, hey, I'm doing this and doing that. Look, when you need a double lung transplant, these companies are coming out here with this stuff.
0: Wow, ah, you're okay, right. You're right.
3: They're Some states are banning it. Good. It's about time.
0: Oh man, you're, you're right. right. Hey, listen, it's I love your energy. Easy. I what a, this. what a beautiful burst of energy. Thank you, Susie. <laughs> you know, That's
3: a- be happy. And I tell people all the time, they say, Susie, you smile and laugh a lot. I say, tell you what, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. Give somebody a lift of
0: the day and say, you know, just say good morning to somebody or good evening. I like the biting bullets. Hey, I appreciate you, Susie. That's awesome. Thank Thank you you so much. That's awesome. What a great light of positivity there. Um, Beautiful, beautiful. So have a beautiful night, uh, Susie. Um, It's it's so great when we're able to spread. Listen, our energy is contagious. Our energy is contagious. And here's something that's inescapable. You are always... Exuding energy, maybe sometimes you're not giving others the energy that you wish you were um, or that you is best is reflective of your best self, but it's important to be mindful of that because you are always exuding energy. I want to go to email um, I have an email from Jim Jim says Dr. Conti, I deal with chronic pain and have for the past five years. I look normal to my family, but deal with an indescribable pain they cannot see. Recently, I was approved for medical marijuana, and now my family is judging me, not believing in my pain, and they think my treatment plan isn't real. I can't seem to win. Please help, Jim. Jim, great question. Great question. Um Appreciate you reaching out. Um You know, it's fascinating when it comes to pain because... Only we can experience, only we know truly how much pain we're in. Pain is subjective, and there is no one that can tell you how much pain you're in. There is no one who can tell you how much pain you're not in. Um, Although I appreciate people's opinions on what I might be feeling internally, the truth is people have nothing more than an opinion when it comes to your pain. Um, and then in terms of being, uh, prescribed or approved for medical marijuana, the, that is a treatment and that is a treatment modality, um, that brings, um, some people relief. So that's your, that's a path that was offered to you. Um, and it sounds like that's helpful for you. So now the question is, do you really seek to go try to constantly get your family's approval or do you step back and say, it's up to your, it's on your family's responsibility to start to come to terms with why they're judging you right now, or what that means for them, or even what that means for you, what that looks like um, when they're judging you. See, we cannot change others' opinion of us. We can't. And the truth is people judge things that they don't understand. Um, and and really when it comes to pain, that's, that's, a, that's a key thing i wanna give a good plug to Doctor Nishant Gandhi. Uh he's phenomenal. He's a doctor that uh deals with uh people who have chronic pain and he's actually coming back on the show on November eleventh. So definitely tune in for that um because Dr. Gandhi's fantastic and he actually has said something he said something wonderful on this show one time talking about the idea that it's in your head. When someone a patient told him something like, Oh, that's they it's isn't it just in your head? And technically since your brain responds to that and your brain thinks about it, then technically everything's in your head, right? So uh sure it's in your head, but that doesn't make it any less real. So people are gonna have their opinions on whether or not um uh medical marijuana is uh a good path for you to take or not. But look, why is it? And my job is to kind of have people question reality, question their question what they see and get so certain about. But alcohol has been uh, legal for a long time. There was a time during our country's history where alcohol was not legal um, with prohibition. There was a time when it wasn't legal. It was considered a drug. um, And there was a time when medical, when marijuana was not considered legal. Now it's, uh, I guess, in some states it's legal altogether. In some states it's uh, legal for medical reasons. So, The reality is there are multiple sides to a box. There are multiple sides to a box. And anytime we're standing on one side, we might be able to see one or two sides at most, but we can never really see all the different sides. If people are going to judge you, they're going to judge you, but they're judging only the side that they see. They're not judging your side because the truth is your mind, the pain that you're experiencing in your head, that's a side of the box no one else can see but you. And in that sense, I think of the box as the human psyche. So here's what I would say to help. Um, I would have an open conversation with your family members and say, tell me what it is that you don't approve of. And then when they go off and they say, well, this isn't healthy or this or that, um, listen to them and say, thank you so much for con- being concerned about me. Like Obviously, you care about me and are concerned about me. I found a path that works for me and something I'm comfortable with. And I think my real challenge to you, Jim, is to get comfortable with it yourself because once you're comfortable with your decision and what you're doing... I really don't think that the outside world is going to bother you as much, even if it's family, even if it's family. I think I find oftentimes people are more hurt when they're not sure themselves. Hey, listen, no one can tell you what you're experiencing inside, Jim. So you hang in there, brother. Uh, 866-391-1020 is the number I'd love to hear from you. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. Welcome back to Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. The number is 866-391-1020. That's 866-391-1020. I'd love to hear from you. Love to, I, I mean, listen, I love these questions I have, uh, in print and I'm going to get to those, uh, shortly, but I always, uh, love being able to talk with you. So 866-391-1020 is the number. So excited because tomorrow is what I'm calling Yield Theory Tuesday, Yield Theory Tuesday. So I created this theory a little more than 20 years ago called Yield Theory, and I've written what I think is going to be a, a legacy book for me. It's called Walking Through Anger. It's all about Yield Theory. It's all about how to handle anger, um, how to handle conflict, both your own and how to deal with others' conflict as well. So here's the bottom line. You're going to deal with conflict. You're going to have conflict in your life And we master what we practice. So if you don't practice handling it effectively, then, you know, you stuff it down, stuff it down, you, 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 maybe you avoid it till it's too late and then it erupts. And, and look, anger can get out of control really quickly. I think the bottom line is anger leads to violence and violence is scary for people. At the end of the day, when you interact with people who are angry, it can be really scary. And I understand why people don't like to interact when it's scary but I think that if you, when you, when you read this, I really believe this was all of me. I've been training people all over the country. I see this happen. I see it work. But when you learn this method, uh, this, this really, this new design for how to handle conflict, what you'll see is you'll build a confidence because what you're in, in the past, I think if you try to change conflict by leading with your ego, like I'm going to calm this situation down. I, 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 this is about me, my ego. Well, you're only going to add to that conflict because it's, you're throwing your ego into the mix. The word conflict actually comes from the root, a contest. So just think about that. You're almost in a contest. A contest implies a winner and a loser. There's one up, there's one down. Um, which is great when you're winning, but at some point you're not going to be winning, you're going to be down. So the whole nature of conflict can really elicit a ton in people. But here's the twist I have on it. So I, I was digging deeper into the root. And conflict also stems from the root fagere, which is to strike and con with, to strike together with, with someone. Now, that might still fit the paradigm of a contest, because if you think of two, let's say two swords, for instance, striking together, you can think of it as a contest. But what if you, instead of having two swords striking together... Let's put an ax in each person's hand and let's turn them facing in the same direction, not facing each other, but facing a problem and they strike the problem together. So to strike together against the problem, not to strike against each other. That's the, that's the paradigm of conflict that I operate from in this book, walking through anger. In other words, when you go to diffuse a situation, if it's about you you're going to add to it. If it's about ego, you're going to add to it. But if you can come at it from a deeper place, look, you're so much more than just your ego. You're so much more than that with with which you identify. You're deeper. There's more to you than meets the eye. That whole, that whole slogan from the Transformers toys in the 1980s, that's accurate. You are more than meets the eye. And so is everyone else. That means if you're really angry with someone, they're more than what you're angry with. They're more than the person who has done whatever to you. And when you can step back and see people as more, my goodness, it changes how you handle that conflict. And that's the part that is so, it's it's so in, enticing to learn. And so I did a, a three-day training uh, this past week, uh, last week on yield theory. And the first part of the training we talked about really kind of toned in on the reality that you can only ever control yourself. You can't control others. And not just giving that a, a, a just a cursory once over like, oh, yeah, you can only control yourself, but really sitting with that and realizing that in every given situation, you are the one constant in every one of your communications, every one of your interactions. You're the conflict. So did you ever hear the saying, like, if you run into a jerk in a day, that person might've been a jerk. But if you run into five jerks in the same day, you're probably the jerk because you're just not realizing that uh you're the common denominator. It's not everybody else in the world. It's you're the same person that's in that. So people come in and say, listen, I've been every relationship I'm in goes sour. I'm always picking the wrong people. And I'm thinking you might not be picking the wrong people. You might not have developed the skills to be healthy in a relationship, which is why You're having the same thing happen over and over again. So how do we deal with this conflict? I have a real practical way to deal with it, and it's hands-on. It's easy to understand. There are really three core actions that you do in yield theory. You listen, you validate, you explore options. And that sounds so simple because it is. Hey, I wanted to make something super simple for people. But if you think about like a puddle, a puddle is very uh, shallow. You can get to the bottom of it quickly. I don't think of these three concepts as a puddle. I think of them as a wellspring. A wellspring keeps going on and on and on. So yes, the concept is easy to listen, to validate, and to explore options, but it's how you listen. It's how you validate and how you explore options. So listen, I was uh, speaking at a mental health convention a few years back and there were 500 attendees in this for my session. I was doing this keynote and a woman came up to me at the break and she was real condescending and she said, "Uh, that's it. That's your big theory, three things. Uh, you know, listen, validate, explore options? I said, yeah, but if you think about it, all Bruce Lee ever did was move, block, and hit, and he did pretty well for himself. So, all, I guess technically all Michael Jordan ever did was shoot the basketball, but he did pretty well for himself. So, yes, my theory is simple, it's straightforward, but that doesn't mean that it's easy to do. It's easy to understand, and you'll get it, and you'll get the message fast, but it takes practice to implement. And of course, those three fundamental, those three core actions are driven by seven fundamental components, and there we get really deep, um, really exciting to kind of look at your own psyche. If you think about how incredible your own depths of your undiscovered psyche are, it's pretty profound, and that journey into your psyche is a lifelong journey. It's pretty beautiful, so I'm excited to share with the world this book, Walking Through Anger, coming out tomorrow in the bookstores my goodness, i don't want you catching a cold out there right now, so if you're out there waiting for the bookstores to open, just go ahead and press order online. I love it eight six six three nine one ten twenty is the number I would love uh love to hear from you. So I recently have been asked uh, by several people, so I want to kind of put this into one, not necessarily a specific question, but I've been getting this a lot. So I work with professional athletes, and um, the common question I'm getting is this, what do athletes are... Why are they so involved in all this domestic violence stuff? We see this so often. And first of all, they're definitely involved in domestic violence situations for sure. But I think one of the reasons why you hear about it more is that they're already in the spotlight. They're already in the media. And so then it gets more attention. Unfortunately, the reality is that domestic violence hits people of all Um races, all genders, all socioeconomic status, we see domestic violence everywhere, and that is unfortunate reality. Um I think what happens though sometimes when people are in the media a lot and they're getting a lot of attention, it's very natural to get your ego fed by that. And once you're in a certain position and you're and you're not surrounded by people who challenge you and challenge your ego and keep you humble, then there becomes very natural to gravitate toward thinking that, you know, there really is, there's, you can't be challenged. Um, and once you haven't been challenged long enough, you start to think, well, no, there, maybe there is no challenge to my thoughts. Maybe what I'm saying is just out there. Um, or is just correct. So I think it's important for people, no matter what you're doing in life, to always be able to have people around you who can help you, you know, stay grounded in challenging you constantly. And having you challenge your own thoughts, that's really powerful too. I will talk coming up on this show more about domestic violence. I don't want to rush that piece at all and I wanna kinda of go into that because we see it so frequently. Um and it's not just it's not lessening. We can bring some awareness to it, but it's not lessening to the level that somebody like me who deals with this all the time wants to see it lessen. I think we have to become accountable completely. It's We have to have zero tolerance. It's not acceptable, but not just zero tolerance for others. We have to have zero tolerance to commit acts of violence, like so zero tolerance for ourselves. In other words, we have to embrace not doing this, and I'm going to show you how coming up. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio. Welcome back to Emotional Management. I want to take this time to say thank you to all of you who tune in frequently. Thank you for listening tonight. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate uh the emails and people reaching out. 866-391-1020 is the number if you'd like to talk. I would love uh I would love to hear from you. Here's an email from Amy. Amy says my parents do not accept my boyfriend. They are very critical of him, and I don't feel like they even try to get to know him. I'm devastated because I feel like I'm losing my family to have a boyfriend. Any suggestions would help? Thank you, Amy. Amy, um, I appreciate that question. That's a great question. I You know, I'd love to know more. I always love to have phone calls because I like to be able to know more about the situation, but it sounds like... um you know it's plain and simple right here that your your parents don't accept your boyfriend so you know there are, it's it's fascinating we it, i can tell you from a parent's standpoint that when your family when you're as a child you want your children to be safe you want them to be happy and we probably all as parents have what people would deem outside of our family as uh probably unrealistic goals for our, our children. Like, Hey, listen, you're only going to date uh, my child if you fall into these magical uh, characteristics. And that's a great reflection on how your parents see you. So your parents probably see you and think the world of you. Um, that being said, it stinks to have your family not accept your loved one, because if they're not accepting your loved one, then you're put in a position to say, I do the person. I feel like this person is a good person for me. And, and then what happens is you start to pull away from your, from, from your parents. You start to say, well, if they're not going to accept somebody that I love. So my feedback would be, if your parents were listening, would be, you want to be mindful not to push you away because they could, that can definitely happen. Um, and that, I see that happen so frequently in, in relationships where a family doesn't like somebody that someone's dating and, and then the person doesn't just magically say, oh, okay, you don't like them, so I'm going to just leave them. Instead, they just get pushed away. They go more toward that person. Um, I see that a lot. And even though whether that's right or wrong, good or bad, that's the nature of human beings. So what can parents do? Parents can say, am I really giving this person a shot? Um, and I think I'm hearing you say, Amy, that you they don't even get the chance to get to know him I hear you saying you're devastated, so that must mean you're in a lot of pain, and I'm definitely sorry for that, I, I hate to see you in pain. I would ask, I would probably go back to your parents and say, let me tell you some of the good things that I'm seeing, and here's what I do like about him. Um, and if your parents are, um, when you present it in that way, there's a better chance for them to listen. Now, maybe you've tried this and you think, well, they're just not listening. They don't care. They just say no. So since I don't know how old you are in here, it, that changes the advice as well. If you're real young, maybe your parents have, um, you know, maybe they're, they, there's a reason why they're saying what they're saying. And then again, if you're over 18 and you're an adult, then that's a whole different story. So without knowing your age, that's tougher to give you feedback on. But I will say this, it hurts whenever somebody doesn't like somebody that you like when you care so much about them. And I think the best way for you to move forward is to do it with shining light on it. See, I think whenever we get caught up in secrets and secretiveness, that's probably not healthy and that's not good for anyone involved. Wouldn't even be good for you. So it's better to stay open about all of it. At the same time, it's worth you being able to express how you feel. And the natural progression is usually then if you're real open and you take that time, people tend to gravitate toward that that boyfriend, and you might even make your parents aware of that you might say, I find myself leaning more toward him because you're not caring about him. I think parents want the best. And I think it's important for you to acknowledge what your parents want um, and acknowledge that they care about you. They definitely care about you. It's tough. It is really tough. I want to kind of go to another email because it's similar. And this is uh, interesting because this, I didn't notice this and I just kind of marked this that these two are similar. So this one says, Hey doctor, my mom told me that she doesn't like my new boyfriend. He doesn't drink often, but when he does, he gets very combative. I know she just cares about me, but how do I tell her how nice he is around me and that he is a good guy, Maria? Maria, okay, great question. Uh Similar question that Amy asked, but maybe a little bit different, um, so I'm guessing that you're old enough to drink. So this is, does, does make a little different feedback for me here. So your, so he sees, your mom sees that your boyfriend is combative when he drinks. Now think about that. If you're a mother and you see this and you see someone get really angry, here's the thing. And here's the thing about relationships. We have a tendency to share when things aren't going well with our partner We turn to family, we turn to loved ones, and we tell them that we're in pain. We tell them that this person hurt their loved one. They hurt you. And so when you tell them that, now your parents, your mom is left with this impression of someone hurting her baby, someone hurting her daughter. And then you make up with the boyfriend, you work through whatever issue it is, but your mom is still stuck with that picture of him being hurtful to you and it's unrealistic to ask her to magically forget that she saw you when you were struggling and in pain and scared or upset that's the part that's unrealistic to try to get her to magically not remember that part because apparently she does remember that stuff and she worries about it the other thing that i would kind of caution you about there is and 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 i say this with love and i want you to i would love to reach in your heart and have you really hear this message I hear minimizing in this. So for instance, when you say he doesn't drink often, and all I have to go by is this email, but when I read, he doesn't drink often, um, but when he does, he gets very combative. Um, So that's an interesting way to phrase that, and he is a good guy. Um, That almost sounds like something that he might say whenever he's caught up. So I specialize in working with people convicted of violent crimes. I have dealt with men doing this stuff for 20 years. And I know that that's kind of actually a common phrase. Hey, listen, Doc, you think I'm a good guy, don't you? I'm like, listen, you might be a really good guy to me, but I wouldn't want you to date anybody I know. Uh, so there's a difference between being a good guy and being someone who's healthy in a relationship. That's for sure. I think that um, when you when you hear he gets very combative um, and he when he drinks, that could be a sign. That's kind of one of those red flags. And you know now while you're dating that this is happening. Here's what I want you to know. People don't magically just change that stuff. Now, if he's actively working on that and he's getting help for that and he's seeking treatment, wonderful, beautiful. I definitely believe in the power of change. I believe people can change. Um, If he's not actively working on that and instead his go-to is, uh, I didn't mean it or I didn't mean to do it like this or minimizing it or justifying it or rationalizing it. Now that's the part where it's not healthy. And that's the part where that can get significantly worse. So I would maintain that. Then the other thing I would say is this, and this is important for all of you out there listening. Uh, My dad told me when we got, when my wife and I got married, that when we were going to, we went to the Bahamas for our honeymoon. And he said, the great thing about going to an island is that kind of represents what you guys will be from now on. You're an island. You're your own family. You're your own island. And this is wonderful advice as a couple I felt like this was wonderful advice because that meant that we handled stuff with each other. Now, this is a fine line because you might project that I'm talking about different things right here. I have enough life experience to know that someone out there listening could say, could think that I'm now saying that you shouldn't tell people about your problems, and that's not it at all. I definitely think you should get into counseling, talk about your problems in counseling, talk about that. But I would be mindful about what problems you share with family. And the reason why is is what I stated earlier. Oftentimes in a relationship, when people share with their loved ones the the hurt and pain the other person caused them, now you don't share. Oh my goodness, we just made up. We worked through that fight. Um, we are now we work through all the details. We understand it. We usually don't share that part. And if you don't share that part, then your family members are left, understandably, with the part that matters. So for give me give you an analogy. Imagine you were bitten by a dog. That dog might be really nice to, uh, let's say it's somebody else's dog to their family. But every time you're around that family is going to go, no, listen, he doesn't really bite like that. But every time you see him, you're going to go, I remember that bite. And in that same way that you would remember that bite, even though the family would say, no, he's not like that all the time. The same is true when you share with your loved ones that, uh, your your loved one hurt you or was hurtful toward you, whether it's physically, mentally, however. When that happens, they remember that. that Im, that impresses on them a, a visual that is hard to take. So be mindful of that, Maria, that your mom does care for sure, um, and she is concerned. and to be honest, If your new boyfriend drinks and gets combative, that is a concern. So especially with you, there's no reason to be um, combative uh, with you. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Here's my recommendation. If you can, get into some counseling. Talk to somebody. Get it out because the worst thing you can do is keep it inside. So I love that you wrote in to me. I feel honored that you shared that with me. I would ask you to please share that with a counselor in your area. Sit down with someone. The more you sit down with someone and you speak it out, now you have an ability to work through it. Here's what happens. And I kind of want to tie this into domestic violence. And I'm not saying he's being that way because all I have is the word combative to go on. But here's what happens with domestic violence. Oftentimes, somebody who's perpetrating abuse towards someone else. They try to isolate that person, keep you away from family, not have you talk to family because they're worried that if you do, people are going to know about what they're doing. So that's a red flag, um, getting, uh, drinking, getting combative. That's a red flag. If you step back and you fast forward your life to a point where it could go south and think what are those red flags along the way, time and again. For 20 years, I've watched people in therapy that once it's happened, we go back and we outline the red flags and they're there. So sometimes it's worth being mindful about. Hey, we still have more to come. 866-391-1020 is the number. Tomorrow's Yield Theory Tuesday, Walking Through Anger is going to be out in your bookstores. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management on KDK Radio. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. This is your weekly checkup from the neck up. It's emotional management on KDKA radio. I'm calling it, uh, tomorrow. I'm calling it Yield Theory Tuesday because the theory I created a little over 20 years ago is Yield Theory. And my new book, Walking Through Anger, is coming out tomorrow. It'll be in bookstores. It's been available for pre order this whole time. So if you're outside sitting outside that bookstore waiting, I want you to uh go ahead and get warm and just order it online or stop at the bookstore tomorrow cuz it's going to be awesome. So excited. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in and for always tuning in. There are some people who reach in uh tune in every week. So one of the messages that I give in handling conflict is being able to understand that there are more sides to every situation than we ever really see. There's always something more. Now, imagine that you approach a person that you have conflict with. Imagine that you're talking to someone that you're struggling with, and when you're really angry, you believe that they they are doing everything on purpose. You believe that they are malicious. They are intentional. They are doing everything on purpose to get you. But then when you learn from their perspective that they are also equally human, that they they have a side too, and that there are things that you might be doing that could be contributing to the anger you have with them. Then it's eye opening and it's humbling. But I say wait till, why wait till we're humbled to change our perspective? Why not humble ourselves and, and recognize that no matter what your perspective, your perspective is limited. So is mine. So is everyone's. Our perspectives are inherently limited. And once we recognize that, let me share with you how powerful that is. Once we recognize that, instead of going up to people and going off on them and telling them how they're wrong, instead we lead with humility and say, wait a minute, I don't want to go off on this person and then find out later that um I was wrong. I mean, that's tough to do. I had talked to somebody recently um who had to go through this humbling experience Where he was uh, really upset with others for doing uh, something, he was so upset with them, and then it came to find out that his own family was doing it. So he was really kind of devastated. And then that has really humbling. Whenever you're judging other people and you're putting other people down, and then all of a sudden, oh wait, people are my own family is doing the same thing I'm judging everybody else for. So now all of a sudden, that's I believe that's what's called eating humble pie. And instead of doing that, try being humble from the beginning. Recognize that you're. You are always limited by what you see, by your perspective. Um, so this it's it's important to recognize. I think once you do that, it really does change things. Um, I have, um, we still have some time. If you want to call in, 866 391 1020 is the number. Look, we're all going through stuff. You're going through stuff, so am I. The question is how do you go through it in the most conscious way possible? And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get through this life in the most conscious way possible. We're dealing with these emotions, and they're tough. We all have them. We all have these emotions. I want to come back to domestic violence for a minute because we've talked about this, but not to the extent that I really want to hit on, and that is when it comes to some of these uh, celebrities or some of the the athletes, and when I get asked about that, and they say, well, their egos are being fed left and right, well, they are in in some ways. But you know, I I've had an experience where a system kind of sets you up, and it's important to understand that. Again, this is why understanding is so different. So let me give you this experience. Uh, the first television show I ever did, I did a show on Spike Network back in uh, maybe 2014. And when I did this television show, and I went out there, I remember the first time going out there, there was a a director, and he said to me, um, he said, "Listen, I don't I don't want." Uh, you getting so big time now you're gonna get so, you, he said, everybody ends up getting so big time now they don't want to talk to you anymore. So then he asked me, he said, is there things that, uh, is there anything we can get you? Could we get you any drinks or anything? I said, no, I'm good. I'll get myself my drinks. I'm good. I've never been on a Hollywood set before. I'll, I'll get my own stuff. He said, no, no, I'm good. We'll get it. We'll get it for you. I said, no, I'm cool. I'll get my own stuff. He kept insisting, insisting. I said, all right, well, great. I love to drink, uh, I actually drink yerba mate tea every day. I have, um, for probably 10 years, I drink this Yerba Mate tea. I'm not even getting endorsed for this right now, but I'm telling you, I drink it all the time. It's called Yerba Mate tea. I drink one every morning when I wake up. And, uh, so he said, well, what is this Yerba Mate tea? And now, then he started to poke fun at me about it. I said, I, you just asked me, do I want anything? And I said, told you what I drink. I'm just being realistic. It's what I drink. So then he said, oh, well, we got it for you. So then he's, they go out to get it for me. And when they bring it in, he said, uh, Well, Christian had to have this specialty, had to have it, and he had to get, I was like, you told me to, you insisted. I told you, I I I, I rebutted it several times and said, no, I'll get it, I'll get it. And then all of a sudden, so it's interesting because the system itself, and he told me about how several people he knew in the past kind of got too big for their britches. And so I think his confirmation bias was setting people up for Hey, listen, I'm going to feed your ego, feed your ego, and then I'm going to get mad at you if you actually want something. So I'm not sure there was a right answer or a right thing to do in that situation. But here's what I do know. Sometimes when we expect something from people so long or we see it in a system so much, we actually contribute to it without realizing it. So does ego play a role with these athletes and with uh, domestic violence? Yes, it absolutely does. Here's where we can get into trouble when we start to think it's just them or people out there, and we don't realize that that ego is in all of us. And so, yes, we can always point to someone else's ego and say, look how that ego's messed up. But can we look at our own ego? Can we look at the way we're dealing with things in the world and really start to question that? Because we have a tendency to minimize the pain we cause others and amplify the pain that others cause. But what if we didn't? What if we really owned up to everything that we do? Boy, that would be different. Hey, there's a lot to go through in life. That's why we're here to go through it each week together from 8 to 10 on KDKA Radio. I'm Dr. Christian Conti, and this is the